Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Wednesday, March 13th, 2019. I'm Shannon, and I'm joined by Stacy and Sarah. We are here today to talk about books that revolve around sisters. And who better to be on this podcast than the twins? <laughs> Yay! I have no sisters. Um, a part of me thinks I would really like to have a sister, but since I really didn't want to have my brother when he was born, I, I don't know that I would have <laughs> dealt very well with a sister. I, I was a very, very jealous four-year-old. So I, I just don't know. <laughs> All right. So before we dive into recommendations, let me do the usual housekeeping things. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Book Bistro Podcast. Once you're there, you can like and or follow the page. You can also join our Facebook listener group where you'll be able to interact with other listeners as well as with us. If you want to get a hold of us for any reason, you can do so via Facebook or by sending us an email. And that address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. And now, let's talk about sister books. I can't um, wait. I know. There are lots and lots of good ones. I know. So, Sarah can start us off. I usually decide the order ahead of time. I did not today. Um, That's okay. So, Sarah, then me, then Stacy. So the first book I want to talk about today is a little bit older of a book. It came out in the early 2000s. It's called Firefly Beach, and it's by one of the most amazing people, Luann Rice. Yay, I love yes. her. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I adore Luann Rice. And this book is about the Renwick sisters, Caroline, Clea, and Skye. And the big part of the book that the big turmoil is that the Renwick sisters father was a very hot-blooded artist very passionate and he had affairs a lot and one evening when Caroline and Clea were very very small like five and three and their mom was pregnant with Skye, like about ready to give birth. Um, one of the husbands of the women that Hugh Renwick, the father, was having an affair with, kind of busted into their house, knocked on the door, and, and Caroline let him in. And he had a gun. And he was there to take from Hugh everything that he loved because Hugh had taken his wife, the person that he loved, away from him. So the man is very upset and crying. And obviously, um, Augusta, who is the mom, and Caroline and Clea are very terrified. But then Caroline sees his eyes and how sad he is. And she just starts looking at him. And she starts talking to him and is able to get him to tell her that he has a little boy and even to show her his picture. And his son is six years old, just a year older than Caroline. And so he actually um, kind of snatches Caroline away from her mom and is holding the gun. And Caroline said, your little boy wouldn't like this. He would be upset if he saw you so sad. And the, father who was just so devastated that he actually um killed himself like right there with care i know it's it's kind of a very well not kind of it is a very difficult part of the book to read and um i read this book i'm gonna say this a couple times about a couple different books tonight but i read this book before i had kids before and then i read it again now that i have kids and i it is just terrifying to think like that could have been one of my kids and oh yuck so anyway (laughs) So Caroline starts writing to Joe and who is the son. I'm sorry. The man who killed himself is named Joe. And she writes him a letter and says, dear Joe, I'm sorry that your daddy died. And 
I'd like to be your friend, your friend, Caroline. And she's like five. So her mom helped her write it. And, um, Joe is unaware of how his father died. He thought that Joe was friends or the father was friends with Hugh Renwick, the dad, and that he had a heart attack in their kitchen. And that's actually a big thing to know because for all of their friendship growing up as they exchanged letters and become each other's best friends, he's unaware of the events of why his father died and nobody tells him until he's 17. And then he severs all ties with Caroline until later in the book. So Caroline and both of her sisters live near um, where they grew up in, in Black Hall. They live in, in the same, well, Caroline owns an inn and Clea is married and Skye has just come home because she is separated from her not very great husband. And the sisters kind of have a pattern in this book. So Caroline's like the oldest, like kind of the pseudo mom, the miss fix it, the confident take charge person likes to not really show her emotions very much. Clea, the middle sister is the, the fixer, the smoothing over of conflict, the kind of mellow port in the storm. And Sky, the youngest is an alcoholic, but doesn't know it yet. And is, has a lot of guilt for events that happened in her teenage years and for how she's lived her life. And so she's kind of like a lost soul in this book. And it's amazing to me with all of the things that happen in this book and all the turmoil between their parents that happens throughout the book. The three sisters are, there's no like, oh, I hate you because you're this. Or you know how a lot of sister books, there's always like the sisters that are estranged or they don't talk to each other. These three sisters just adore each other and love each other, even with all the struggles. So now enter back into the picture, Joe Quinn, who has come to their part of the coast to research a shipwreck and to dive on the shipwreck and to recover um, items from the shipwreck. And he gets more and more drawn into Caroline's life and to the lives of her sisters and be slowly starts to become part of the family and be begin to heal. And the beautiful thing about this book that I love is just the dynamics between the sisters and also the love that grows between Caroline and Joe. And I think Luann Rice does a really good job of taking all of these each person kind of has their own story. And I feel like she weaves it together really well into this really wonderful book. And there's a lot of like character development. There are a lot of really deep conversations with their mother, Augusta. It's just a really, really good book. And I, I highly recommend it. I actually highly recommend anything Luann Rice writes. But if you want to read a good book about sisters, I would highly recommend that you read Firefly Beach by Luann Rice. Great book. It's one of my favorites by her. I love that book so much. I love all the Hubbard <clears throat> Point books. Yeah. Like yes. Harbor and True yep. Blue. Um, and this one. And there seems like there's a second, another one that I'm forgetting. So my first pick is very different because <laughs> it is a memoir. And I don't read a lot of memoirs. Um, I don't like a lot of nonfiction. But every once in a while, one comes along and I fall in love with it. And that is pretty much what happened with Riding the Bus with My Sister, A True Life Journey by Rachel Simon. And Rachel Simon has also written a novel called The Story of Beautiful Girl, which I really, really love as well. But this is the story of her relationship with her sister, Beth who has some kind of an intellectual disability that is not actually named in the book. And when Rachel is in her mid-30s, she starts to kind of reevaluate her relationship with Beth. And she looks back at kind of the dysfunctional family in which they grew up. And she starts to wonder like, what their relationship can look like as adults. Beth is living on her own um, in a big city in Pennsylvania that people speculate might be Philadelphia. It doesn't really say in the book to protect Beth's privacy, but it has, it definitely has a Philadelphia feel. Um, 
So she lives in an apartment and she has support from a lot of different agencies. Um, she doesn't have a job. She spends her days riding the city buses. Oh. And she knows all of the drivers. Like, she knows their stories. She knows their families. And to her, like, these drivers and their bus routes are basically, like, her life. And she invites Rachel to take a year away from her life as a university professor and a freelance writer and ride the buses with her. And at first, you know, Rachel doesn't really want to do this, but she decides that she will and that it will give her some insight into her sister, allow her to kind of look back at their past and perhaps build a stronger relationship. So this is a phenomenal book about sisters, about disabilities. I will say that I sometimes found the, the bus drivers to be kind of overly like prophetic and profound. I felt like every time one of these people opened their mouth, like some very deep and meaningful <laughs> like proclamation was made. Um, and not that bus drivers, you know, can't like have things like that to say, because certainly, you know, so many people do, but you never got to hear kind of like ordinary things that these people said. It was always some like very deep spiritual thing, but it does show um, Rachel quite a bit about the life that her sister is living and kind of what it means to be a person with a disability in the world and how some people are really supportive and some people are really nasty. And that even though Beth has an intellectual disability, she still has the right to make some of the major choices um, in, you know, in her own life. And so this is a really, really stellar book. Um, it's, again, one of the few memoirs that I really enjoyed. It was made into a movie, and normally I'm not a big fan of books that were made into movies, but I thought this one was very well done, both on the page and on the screen. So it, again, is Riding the Bus with My Sister, A True Life Journey by Rachel Simon. I may have to check that out. Yeah, I, I like to read, like, one memoir a year, so yes. I have to... Yeah, I'll you should to... grab it. It's yeah. um, it's very well done. And the movie, um, Rosie O'Donnell is in it. And normally, I'm not a big fan of hers, but she was a phenomenal Beth. Um, oh, wow! Yes, I, I okay. liked it a lot. So do pick it up if you're ever in a memoir mood, memoir especially mood. if you want, you know, that kind of like disability, yep, feel, yeah. I was so excited that we were going to do this episode because I love books about sisters. I mean, like my favorite genre, of course, is romance. So don't think I'm being all weird and saying romance and sisters because blah. But <laughs> I do love when there are, you know, other elements to a book besides just a good romance. And my favorite type of book are relationship books. And one of the most complex relationships, I think, is a relationship between sisters. And I really... Um, I don't know. I just, I really love books that explore that. So the first book I'm going to talk about is Home Before Dark by Susan Wiggs. Oh, and yay. I know. And this book came out like in 2003. So again, it's an older book, but it's still very relevant. And it's about a photographer named Jesse Ryder. And Jesse Ryder's life is about to go through some pretty significant upheaval. And she knows it. She has warning that it's going to happen. And in fact, I'm going to tell you what it is because um, the book is pretty open about it. It's not like a mystery till the end. So Jesse Ryder is a free-spirited photographer who finds out that she is going blind. And so this kind of completely, you know, changes her entire life. And so 16 years ago, um, the last time she was home in Texas, um, she left after giving up her daughter for adoption. And actually, she gave up her daughter for adoption. Her sister adopted her, her sister Luce. And Luce has raised, Luce and her husband have raised her daughter Lila since then. Well, now Jessie knows that her time to, like, literally see her daughter is, is narrowing and coming to an end. And so she comes home to Texas to try to forge a relationship with her daughter Lila and to kind of find that, you know, kind of rebuild the relationship that she had with her sister that she's been kind of neglecting. And so this story is all about how she kind of fits 
herself into her sister Luce's family. And Lila's a rebellious teenager, and then she has three um, sons. And at the same time, she meets this lovely man, Jesse does. And she knows that she's living on borrowed time in terms of what she will allow anybody to... No one's supposed to know that she's going to lose her vision. She just wants to go off on her own and do this on her own. So she, in this time, learns a lot about herself and about Lila and about her sister and about what it means to be part of a, you know, a really close-knit family again and, you know, love and support and all these things. And the other thing that she learns is how to fall in love with a really lovely, lovely man who has his own story and his own baggage from the past that he's working through. And that's all I'm going to say about this book. There's more secrets. There's more things that happen. Um, some of the blindness related things were um, a little, not necessarily precisely accurate, but for me, it didn't take away from the tone of the story at all. And the thing that I loved best about this story was even in the middle of all the conflict, because Jesse wants Loose to, you know, she wants Lila to know the, the true, you know, who her, her mother is and that she was adopted and all these things. You know, even through all of the conflict that the sisters experienced, they still continue to love each other and to communicate um, in some way. And, you know, they have always been each other's support system growing up. They had a very unstable childhood. And so, you know, in the midst of all of the turmoil that's going on, the two of them always remained a united front. And I just, I really enjoyed this book a lot. So if you want something that's lovely and full of relationships and family dynamics and a sweet love story, pick up Home Before Dark by Susan Wiggs. I have um, actually not read that. It's oh, so good. It's, it's so, so good, Shannon. Good. I love everything by Susan Wiggs in the whole world. Her books are so good. I know. I love them too. They're, and she has a lot about sisters. I mean, I could have talked about like the apple orchard and the um, beekeepers ball. Oh, the, so good. Bella Vista books. I think that's what they're called. But I, I, this book has really stood out to me as a book that um, I've read it several times now because I like it so much. So I don't want to uh, spoil or alert something, but I want to compliment something about the book. Compliment away. Okay. I love that. Like something doesn't happen at like the zero hour and, like a miracle cure and she gets her vision. Oh, oh yes. yes. I hate yeah. when that happens. Yeah, like it's so much more realistic that that doesn't happen. Yep. Can we talk about a book that made me cry at work? How embarrassing is that? Oh no. Why? Yes, we can. <laughs> the only time I ever cried in a book was at Jane Eyre when I was in school and I was really embarrassed. <laughs> you cried in school because of Jane Eyre? Yes. In reading class in eighth grade, but I digress. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, I don't think I cried during Jane Eyre. It was it. horrifying. But anyway, we're not talking about that right now. I cried in Gone with the Wind. I think I cried in Jane Eyre, though. When she left oh. and she's alone. But we're not talking about Jane Eyre. That's a different episode. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Stories we hear during Sisters episode. I know. <laughs> How about instead of talking about Jane Eyre, we talk about Kristen Hanna. Oh, All yes. Right. Anytime. So I feel like most of the books I'm talking about tonight are actually a, a, a bit older, but this book by Kristen Hanna, The Magic Hour, was just an amazing book about two sisters and the, the power of like the heart healing and it was just so good. So The Magic Hour is a book about two sisters. Ellie is a police chief in a small town in Washington right on the cusp of this huge forest. I think the Washington national forest, is that the right name? Um, it's a, it's a real, it's a real place. So, <laughs> <laughs> but she's that she has stayed in her hometown and become the small town police chief. Ellie is the person that everybody adores. She was the homecoming queen. She's like adorable. She's, always looking for romance. She just knows she's going to find it. She married two totally loser guys and got divorced right away. And so, but she's always looking for love and just really interesting character. Usually like the homecoming queen sisters. I always hate, and I love Ellie. She's not a bad person. <laughs> I mean, not the homecoming Sorry for all bad. of you. 
not that homecoming queens are bad people, but usually in books where one sister is like the popular sister, she's always like the popular mean sister. It's true. And Ellie is not mean. She's a little self-absorbed, but she's not mean. And then we um, have to talk about Julia, who is Ellie's younger sister and who was really stood out in the family because she was absolutely not like vivacious and outgoing. She was a, a quiet bookworm and um, her father made a lot of like disparaging comments about her when she was little. She was kind of like the weird girl in the family. Everybody else was like beautiful and dynamic. And she was like, kind of like belonged to like the, it wasn't the chess club, you know, or the math club, you know, that type of character. Well, Julia grew up to be a very well-known, very well-respected child psychiatrist. And she lived out in LA and at the beginning of the book, Ellie is actually, I mean, I'm sorry, Julia is being sued out in LA by um, some families because she was treating a patient for a couple of years who never ever let on that this was going to happen. And one day the patient, she was a younger teenage girl, um, went into a church youth group with a gun and shot a bunch of people, which is horrifying. So of course the families are all grieving and they want to find someone to blame. So they blame, they blame Julia. And so basically because of all this, even though she's cleared of any blame in the court, she's kind of become like this pariah and she's lived for her work. That's all she's done in her life. Even like her romance that she had like fizzled out because she was like basically married to her work. She just loves what she does. So while all this is happening back in Washington, Ellie gets a call because all of a sudden in their park, in their little square, a child has appeared who has like dashed into this park with a wolf puppy in her arms and jumped up into this tree, like 30 feet in the air. I mean, she didn't jump 30 feet in the air, but she climbed like (laughs) super fast with this wolf puppy in her arms up into this tree and they can't get her to come down. Then they're like freaking out. So finally they get her down and to the hospital, they have to tranquilize her to get her to the hospital because she's like, absolutely terrified, like wild. And they discover that she's very malnourished. She um, doesn't speak. She acts like an animal. Like when you give her food, she eats like an animal. She like runs across the room on all fours. Like she's just, she acts like an animal and they are trying to help her and can't figure out how to help her. So they reach out to da da Julia to come to town and help. And Julia's confidence is at an all-time low, but she's like, What's, what do I have left here in L.A.? I'm going to come home to this town that I haven't been to in years and try to help my sister. And so this book is about how Julia and Ellie come together for to, to support this child. She's like five or six, you guys. She's like little, little. And so they don't know who her parents are. She can't tell them anything. She's, you can tell she's been abused. She has like a ligature mark on her ankle from being tied. You can, she has bones that have been broken and then like healed without like being set properly. I mean, she has had a lot of trauma in her life. And so this part to me is a little far-fetched, but Kristen Hannah does it so well that it doesn't seem far-fetched. Um, Julia applies to be her foster parent while she's being her therapist. I don't really know if that actually would be permitted, but nobody else can really care for this child because she's so off the chain. And it just shows the stories about how between Ellie and Julia, how they love this child and slowly bring her back into the world. And while this is happening, Julia is developing a relationship with a doctor from this hospital, this small town hospital named Max, who has his own demons and his own story and how they all come together and how just how this little girl, because she begins to trust Julia, how she is able to let people in and try to tell them her story. And I mean, she's like a toddler. She can't talk. Like she only knows a few words and how she just develops language and develops trust. I don't want to give too much of the book away, but it is just, I was like, like tears running down at work yesterday 
because I reread it again for oh this Oh my episode. god, because it was about a child. Oh, I know. I read it again. I would have cried about it. the sister part, you know. Well, the I mean, sister part was great too. That chokes <laughs> me up a couple times, but the, just uh, there are just a couple really, really poignant parts in this book. And yeah, I was reading over my lunch hour at work, and then I actually was reading while doing like little menial things on my computer and I was like <laughs> and like starting to sniff and I'm like oh my god I had to stop the book because it was just getting ridiculous I would highly recommend The Magic Hour by Kristen Hanna I love this one a lot I know it was you know and so she cool. writes sister books so well I mean she does this one between yes. the sisters you know the Nightingale. the Nightingale Winter Garden I mean she's written so many good sister books True yes. Colors she's like the goddess yeah She's amazing. So let's talk about quintuplets. Ooh. I'm so glad we're only twins. Anyway, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) You you don't want there to be like three more? Oh, not of us. No. (laughs) I can't even imagine how loud our family would have been with five of us. I know. (laughs) So this is the Quintland Sisters by Shelley Wood. And it is a historical novel about the Dion quintuplets who were born in the 1920s to a poor Canadian farmer and his wife. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Bless you. Sorry. That's okay. So this is the Quintland Sisters by Shelley Wood. And it is a historical novel about the Dion quintuplets who were born in the 1920s to a poor Canadian farmer and his wife. And the Dion family was already pretty large. Um, By the time the quintuplets were born, there were five other children. And so with the birth of these five baby girls, this family now had 10 children. And the Dion quintuplets were actually the first um, quints to ever fully survive birth with all of them alive and continuing to live. So the story is told from the point of view of Emma Trimpany, who was a midwife and was their nurse for the first like several years of their lives. And we get to see how the government stepped in and took these children from their parents. Oh. And installed elves as guardians of these children. And you just, you feel really bad for pretty much everyone involved, for the parents, for the children, for the people who've been hired to care for the children, just because it's like a, like a sideshow. Like, they live in this hospital that is across the road from the family farm, and their playground is sort of encased in glass so that spectators can show up. Oh, my God. Uh Uh-huh. That's, like, horrifying. Yes. And so they can, like, watch these young girls outside and there are all these different like ways in which you know you can see these children they have like two play periods a day that are open like for the public um wow if you are sort of a like a dignitary of any kind you can come through this hospital where the children live and you can see them like up close and personal it's like the zoo it is it is and this is especially hard for Emma who is 17 when they're born and she stays with them up until like just after their fifth birthday. And we get to see how these children grow up, how they develop, but also what happens, you know, how this affects like the doctors and the parents of these children. Um, You see like little excerpts from like news footage from the time Oh, my God. Um, You see, like, all these different things. It's a really, really well-done story. I love the way the author was able to pull, like, actual data from the 1920s and put it into her story so you feel very connected to that time period, even though it was quite a long time ago. Um, It's very sad, but it's also just really, really enlightening to think about the way the power that the government had over this family who did not have you know, the money to fight them. There's just like nothing that they could do. Um, it is a 
fantastic read. I was utterly riveted by it. And it just came out the beginning of this month. It came out on March 5th. And I pre-ordered it um, once I knew it was coming out. And I read it pretty much like in a day. So I loved it a lot. It again is the Quintland Sisters. And the author is Shelley Wood. Okay, I have a quick question because like I have a million. But the only question I want to know is... Um, do we know what became of these quintuplets as adults or does this book just explore the first few years of their lives? The book explores the first like five years and then there's an epilogue that gives a little bit of information about kind of their like later years. You don't know in any great detail, Uh um, but you get to know kind of a few things. I just can't imagine being like, a mother in the 1920s and like not being in a hospital and not having any like drugs and having to put, deliver five I babies. I mean, one was really hard. I can't. And I was in a hospital with lots of support and medicine and it was hard one at a time. I can't imagine five. I don't even know how everybody lived. The combined the weight of the five was 13 pounds. <laughs> oh, and, like, the three smallest ones, like, weighed something like a pound and a few ounces each, like, when they were born. Wow. I don't know how that And, of course, okay. you didn't know that there were five babies in there. No. Just... No. It was, like, oh, a complete wow. surprise when they were born. So, um, can we switch gears a little bit to talk about Nora Roberts. Yes, because when can we not talk about right. Nora Roberts? And one of the first books that I read by Nora Roberts was Montana Sky. It was the first for me. Yeah. I so good. love this book and the dynamic. So Montana Sky, basically there's this old curmudgeonly rancher, completely, I cannot think of the word I want to say, um, hated women like what you know was didn't only yeah misogynistic yeah misogynist and um thank you anyway so he had this Mm -hmm. ranch out in the middle of I helped a sister you did did. (laughs) (laughs) so he had this ranch in Montana of all places Wow. hence the name of the book I know um it didn't take place like in Missouri actually it took place in Montana so he has a ranch (laughs) in Montana and it was a large ranch and he dies no one's sad about this now when he died, um, there was one daughter, Willa, living on the ranch, and she expected to take over. But you see, this guy has been married three times, um, and with each marriage, he had one daughter. So on the day of the funeral, we meet Willa, who is the youngest daughter who has lived on the ranch her whole life, and Tess, the oldest daughter, who um, basically is a she's a, a film writer, um, out in out in LA and that's her life so she's very glamorous and then we have shy Lily the middle daughter who is fleeing from a horrific um, relationship very abusive and the three of them learn that the only way to keep the wealth of this of this ranch is by the three of them living together in the house for one year if they don't do that they won't get any of the money So this whole book basically is about these three women, very different in personality, um, who all very slowly come together and bond and kind of end up all feeling sort of invested in this ranch for various reasons. And there's romance and there's danger and there's just the whole gamut of things. Like, it's just an amazing book. And I love it. And I love the awkwardness of being sisters who don't know each other who are plumped down in this like random, you know, cattle ranch environment in the middle of Montana and are expected to somehow figure out how to coexist together so that they can all get the share of the ranch after the year is up. So it's just a fantastic book and I highly encourage everyone to read it. It's like vintage Nora Roberts. It has sexy men, uh, <laughs> screaming <Sorry>. children <laughs> yeah <laughs> it has you know sexy men it has you know strong-willed women I mean Willa's kind of an annoying willful willful Willa at the beginning um a little harder for me to like but I I each each woman develops separately and together and it just was a great book so 
uh, I definitely recommend Montana Sky by Nora Roberts for a good sister read and just a good suspense novel, sexy novel, all the things. 22 years since I've read that book. Oh, I think I need to read it again. Wow. Yeah, I was like 98 um, when I read that book, I think. Yeah, I read it the summer of 97. Crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you get the prize, I think, so far for the oldest book? Let's talk about Jennifer Weiner because who doesn't want to talk yeah, about Jennifer Do you're Weiner. just not cool. Sorry. No, Jennifer Weiner. Yeah. Can we get a different lunch table if you don't like Jennifer Weiner? <laughs> yes, exactly. And speaking of memoirs, which was not what we're talking about today, but her her book that was her memoir was actually one of the few that I gobbled up in a day. Hungry Heart. But we're actually not Yes. But we're actually not talking about Hungry Heart today, although we should devote a whole episode to Jennifer Weiner's brilliance. But I am wanting to talk about one of her earliest books, her second book she wrote, and it's called In Her Shoes. And this book was actually made into a movie that was, again, I don't like a lot of books made into movies, and this one was phenomenal. And actually, um, we saw the movie before we read the book. I think actually Stacey saw saw the movie first. No, I saw it with you, but we didn't know. Yeah, we we didn't know it was a book until we saw the credits at the end of the movie. That's how we figured it out. Yeah. So then we read the book. So this book is about two sisters, Rose and Maggie, and they are about as opposite of people as you can get. Rose is an attorney, and she is kind of a curvy girl and kind of, in her mind, not very attractive. And Maggie is this vivacious, dynamic, dramatic beautiful younger sister who has a lot of struggles. You find out that she has dyslexia, that um, she has some other learning disabilities. And so they always kind of classified them when they were children, not, not the sisters, other people. Rose was the smart one and Maggie was the pretty one. When Rose and Maggie were little, um, their mom was a part of their lives. Their mom was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. They don't really go into it so much in the book. They just talk about the mom being like kind of glamorous and amazing and upbeat and then not being like that. And the mom dies when the girls are, are still young. And after a little while, their father marries this woman who neither of the sisters can stand. And the woman has a daughter named Marsha <laughs> and she's always my calling her Marcia. my Marsha. Oh, and it's just gagalicious. And, um, I can't, I can't remember the stepmom's name right now. I just call her my Marsha cause that's <laughs> cause she's so obnoxious, but so they, they don't have a very, positive growing up experience they have a lot of kind of trauma from their mom and then after she dies this stepmother who's not that fabulous and when they grow up they are close in certain ways but rose always feels like she's rescuing maggie from another issue and maggie always feels like she's making mistakes The other thing that we need to know is that while Rose dresses kind of frumpy, she buys amazing shoes all the time. And she doesn't really wear them, but she buys them. And Maggie steals them. And so, like, a couple different parts of the book, like, Maggie has taken Rose's shoes for different things. But through a a, a big turn of events in this book, um, Rose and Maggie have a pretty significant falling out. And Maggie flees to Florida to stay with a grandmother that she and Rose never knew. She found out about her by accident when she found a bunch of letters from the grandmother in her childhood house. Um, And every letter had money in it for their birthday and nobody ever gave it to them. So she uses this money to first go to Princeton Um, Not for college, just, like, to spend time on campus. And then to go on to Florida. And in the meantime, while Maggie is kind of going through her her metamorphosis, through her journey of growth, Rose 
is going through her own journey and deciding that she's really not happy where she's working and she'd really like to just not do that. And she'd really like to start her own business. And she goes from like being an attorney to being a dog walker. That's right. And so, yes, yes. And it it sounds kind of far-fetched, but when you read this book, it is absolutely not far-fetched. And then it, it goes into the two sisters ending up kind of coming together after like a, a, a lot of events in Florida with their grandmother who they never knew and, and how they are able to kind of get a lot of, of the turmoil of their past out and kind of go past that and how they, they fall back on their bond of being sisters and how they really come together. And I just feel like Jennifer Weiner again has written several books with sisters in them. And this book, I, I mean, I read it like during grad school and I never forgot it. I mean, I've read it, I think three times and every time I feel like I've never read it before. And I, there's just something that I learn every single time. So I would highly recommend In Her Shoes by Jennifer Weiner today. I need to read it again. I love it. Yes, I need to read it again too. It's been a long time. So my next pick is a twin book. Oh, yes. Good twin, bad twin. No, actually, this is a young adult novel, and it's called You'll Miss Me When I'm Gone. The author is Rachel Lynn Solomon, and this is about twins, Adina and Tova, and their mother is Israeli, and their father is American, and they have grown up kind of immersed in both, like, you know, they they speak Hebrew and English, um, they attend synagogue. They have kind of done a lot of the like Jewish um, rituals and, you know, passed all these milestones, but they're living in America. And so they feel like a, a good balance between being Israeli and American, but their mother has Huntington's disease. And when the twins turn 18, they undergo genetic testing to see if one or both of them might also test positive. And we learn pretty early on in the book, so it's not a spoiler, to tell you that Tova tests negative and Adina tests positive. Oh, that would be awful. And Adina is um, a viola player And she has all these big dreams for her future. She wants to be a soloist. She wants to do some work in the symphony. And she just doesn't know how to cope with the idea that eventually, you know, when she's in her 40s or 50s or perhaps sooner, she will begin to lose control of her body. And she sees the way this disease is ravaging her mother. And she's just not sure, like, how how she can come to terms with that reality. Meanwhile, Tova, who has always wanted to be a surgeon, is very wrapped up in her need to get into Johns Hopkins University. And she has, you know, these dreams that are very different from Adina's, but just as, as important as Adina's are to her. And the twins grew up like pretty close when they were like before they were teenagers. And then they started to have some problems and they're not quite sure how to come together in the face of, you know, Adina's like eventual illness. Um, And so they try several times to like make amends and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But this is a thought a really, really compassionate novel about health, about love, um, about forgiving people, even when they've done some terrible things that you think you can never get past. Um, It's just a really, really lovely book. It came out last year. I didn't know about it um, until pretty recently, and I read it over this past weekend, and I really enjoyed it. It made me cry, but strangely, it left me with kind of a hopeful feeling at the end like you would sort of expect this to be like kind of a downer of a book and in parts you know it certainly is very sad because it's dealing with some tough issues but the author does a great job of helping us see that Adina 
still has a great deal of her life left to live and that together she and Tova and their family can figure out their way forward. So this again is You'll Miss Me When I'm Gone and it is the debut novel by Rachel Lynn Solomon. I don't know, Sari. I don't know if we could read this. I, I know. I don't know. I know. It sounds beautiful, I I, though. But It is. It's so, so lovely. Um, so that one, I would really want it to end with them being like, oh, just kidding. Um, that was no. actually a false positive. You know how we were talking yes. about how I liked that she went blind. But this, I don't know, with the twins, I don't know. That's hard. Because usually books about twins, there's always, like, a mean twin and a nice twin. So it's always, like, great when there's actually a book where twins have, like, a normal relationship. Yeah, and, you know, is not always kind. Um, You know, she's dealing with a lot, and she's trying to figure out, like, is it better to allow Tova, like, to grieve for her? Or is it better to kind of push her away? And so she does some things that are not great, but then Tova also does some things that aren't great. So it felt very balanced to me. Um, you know, no one was like the evil twin. Okay. That makes me happy. <clears throat> yes. Evil twins but it are... is very, very sad in places. So an author who I never think of as making me sad is Kristen Higgins, who is... I don't the... know. Good luck with that. Me being well, sad sometimes. I know, but I, I love her and her books are always uplifting at the end. Yes. Lovely. And so tonight I'm going to talk about If You Only Knew by Kristen Higgins. And this book is about two sisters, Jenny and Rachel. And Jenny is going through this time in her life where it's kind of an upheaval. She is a wedding dress designer. And she was working in New York City and had this marriage with this man that she was deeply in love with. Well, turns out that, you know, things weren't quite as fabulous as she thought. And now They've gotten divorced and he's remarried. And somehow she, because she's not quite ready to let go of her ex-husband, is becoming like fake best friends with his new wife, who is perfection personified. And she is starting to realize after, um, after she goes to the couple's house, I think it was for a baby shower. No, that's not right. She went to their house for some reason at the beginning. And she's like, you know, I got, I got to leave. Like, I, I have to leave New York City. I cannot continue being so enmeshed in their lives. And so Jenny decides that she's going to move home to Cambrian Hudson, the small idyllic town where her sister Rachel lives with her husband and her triplets and their triplets. And her mother's there and she and her mother have just a, not the greatest relationship, I would say. Well, anyway, so Jenny moves home and she's going to, and she opens up a little wedding dress shop and she lives in this house. Um, She rents an apartment in this home from this very surly landlord um, who we learned throughout the book is kind of going through his own thing and kind of battling his own personal demons. At the same time, Rachel, who seems to have everything her heart desires, um, is going through a rough time because she finds out very early on in the book that her husband is sexting with another woman that he works with. And this is obviously very upsetting to Rachel. Um, She has these triplets. She's not working. She's home. Her entire life has become taking care of her four-year-old daughters. And so this book is about how, you know, and, and all Rachel can think about is how, you know, she wants the idyllic perfect marriage that, that her parents had. And Jenny knows a kind of enormous secret about her parents' marriage that would rock the very foundations of everything that Rachel believes in if, if Jenny were to share that information with her. So this book is about these sisters and their journeys together and separately of, you know, being close as sisters, but also having a lot of things, uh, you know, separately and together in their lives that they kind of have to work through. And it is just a beautiful book. It's a beautiful story. There's a really sexy romance in it. Um, that's kind of a bittersweet romance, actually. And, you know, it's, it's, I just feel like the ending was very satisfying and realistic. So I love this book so much. And everyone should go out and get If You Only Knew by Kristen Higgins. And I don't know if I could even do this book justice. But it's beautiful. And I love it. So I don't know if you would agree with me 
that there are lots of different types of sisters. So there are twin sisters. Like no, sister. those don't exist. <laughs> no twins. No, no twins. <laughs> <That's not allowed. laughs> there are other biological sisters. There are adopted sisters. There are like friends who are so close that they're like sisters. And then there are foster sisters. And foster sisters are who I am going to speak about for my final book. So my final book about sisters is called When We Were Sisters by Emily Richards, one of the most fabulous authors ever. And this book is about Cecilia and Robin, who met in the foster care system when Cecilia was 13 and Robin was nine. And they were put together in a foster home that was called a therapeutic foster home. So Cecilia was there because she'd been acting out and her behaviors were a little over the top. And Robin was there because her grandmother had been so horrible when she was growing up that she basically became selectively mute and could not speak around people, couldn't communicate. And from the first day she went to the therapeutic foster home, Cecilia took her under her wing and treated her like a little sister, befriended her, cared about her. And Robin really started to blossom. And with Cecilia being able to care for somebody and feel needed, she also began to blossom. So it was recommended that the two girls stay together and they spent the rest of the time that Cecilia was in foster care together. And then they grew up and, and continued. They call each other sisters like they're still sisters. And Cecilia became an amazing blues rock singer. And Robin became a very devoted wife and mother and a talented gardener. And she was also a photographer. But she had not used her skills for many years because she was very um, committed to making a home for her family. And she kind of lost herself during this time. So when the book starts, Cecilia it calls Robin to see if Robin would be willing to be the photographer in um, a documentary that Cecilia was going to work with this very famous person to shoot about her life and about children who live in foster care. And Cecilia, or Robin's thinking about it. She doesn't know if she can leave her family for that long. She basically does everything for everyone. She's the quintessential caregiver, but it's not very healthy because she's like really over the top and has a hard time still because of her childhood, like speaking up and defending herself, even though she's gotten better. So she's thinking about it. And during this time, she goes out to dinner with a group of friends and coming home from the restaurant, their car is hit by another driver and it kills one of her friends one of her neighbors. So it really makes Robin reevaluate her life. And because she was supposed to be sitting in that seat and at the last minute she switched seats with her friend. And she decides that life is just too short and she needs to do this and she needs to do it for her family. Hopefully her husband who works, um, he's a lawyer and never around um, can pick up the slack. So the book is about a couple of things. The book is about Cecilia and Robin kind of taking a trip back through their lives, remembering the foster homes they lived in. Um, a couple of them were very good and very loving. And one of them was horrible and terrible and very, the family never, the people should never have been foster parents. And then the other part of the book is about Robin's husband learning how to pick up the slack and how to appreciate his wife. And it's just a beautiful book. And the, the bond that these two girls have is just the most amazing bond and the, the, the friendship they have and the closeness they have. I mean, it was like they were really biological sisters, but they're not, they're foster sisters. And I think people 
sometimes when we talk about sisters, they don't always think of people who are in the foster care system. And I just, I adore, did you read this book before, I Shannon? I did. Did you adore it? I did. I loved it a lot. I like a lot of Emily Richards stuff, Me but too. this one I thought was especially fantastic. I, I really, and I could have actually, Emily Richards does sister books so well. There are so many we could have talked about um, that have sisters in them, but this one to me, I just felt like it, it needed to be talked about. And I felt like, you know, they, she did a really good job. Like a lot of books, like if, if, a, if a child is in the foster care system, it's like a really bad depiction yes. of the foster care system. And there is, there are some really bad parts in this book that are very disturbing about what these girls are in one of their foster homes together. But they also talk a lot about how the foster care system saved them and how they, you know, they were taken in by really loving people during a time of, you know, great upheaval in their lives. Cecilia's mother abandoned her like with no food, like she just left her in their apartment. And Robin, like I said, her grandmother was so awful that, um, she basically scared her into not being able to talk. So, you know, I really liked that. I felt like she tried to be really fair about the foster care system. Books about interesting sisters with just a, a little wonderful romance weaved through, woven through. I would definitely recommend that you pick up When We Were Sisters by Emily Richards. So my last pick tonight is a British thriller that the twins would, would not be a fan of. There aren't twins in this I, book, though. So No, but this British thriller with sisters, I'm always afraid yeah. of those. <laughs> it's delightful. So this is Blood Sisters, and oh. the author is Jane <laughs> Corey. And 15 years before the story begins, three little girls are walking to school. And a few minutes later, one of them is dead as a result of this really terrible accident. So you know this, like when the book starts, you're aware that this accident happened, but you don't really understand like exactly how things happened and who it is that died and all these things. So you are introduced to Allison, who is an art teacher, and to her sister Kitty, (laughs) who has been severely disabled as a result of the accident. Um, She can't speak. She lives in an institution. Um, People think that, like, basically, she has some pretty severe brain damage. And in some ways, it's possible that she does. She has no memory of the accident. Um, She knows that something bad happened, but she doesn't really know what it is. And one day, she sees this person that just come, like, walking into the institution, like, they're going to visit her. And she has no idea who they are, but something about them frightens her. And she feels like there's something that she should know about this person. Like, something, something should be, there should be something that she's aware of, and yet she can't quite pin it down. So she becomes more and more frightened the more this person keeps like appearing in her life, but no one understands why because she can't communicate with them. Meanwhile, Allison has begun teaching art classes at a local prison, and she has a a reason for doing this. At first, you just kind of think like she's trying to, you know, do like a good deed and help out at the prison, but she has some kind of yucky motives for doing what she's doing and you eventually like figure out what those are so as kitty is struggling to figure out who this person is and what part he played in her early life allison is also wrestling with her own demons in this prison and eventually these two stories collide um this is very very fast paced i enjoyed Um, Corey's portrayal of a disabled heroine that, you know, again, like there's not a miracle cure at the end. She's not like suddenly whole. Um, You know, she stays, um, her her disability stays and she instead kind of learns to, to deal with it and begins to 
take steps to learn how to communicate, even though she doesn't speak anymore. Um, so it's just, it's a very, very fast paced, twisty thriller, but there's this really neat relationship between the sisters that really moves the story forward. And I liked it a lot. It again is Blood Sisters by Jane Corey. So I saved the book that when, when I think about sisters and I think about all of the intricate dynamics and intricate little things that make up the relationship between sisters. I saved my favorite book for last. And I almost sometimes can't even talk about this book without getting a lump in my throat because I love it so much, Um, which is funny because it is a young adult novel. And we all know how I feel about the young adult genre overall. But this is Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. And this book is, to me, it was one of the most impactful things I've ever read in my life. I just really resonated with with the main character. So this book is about Kath and her sister, Ren, and they are about to go to college and they have always been very close as sisters, very supportive of each other. Um, their mother left when they were about seven. And so all they've had as a support system is their father who is very lovely and rather fragile in terms of mental health. And so they've always kind of worked together to keep their little family together and going and, and the way that it's supposed to go and, and safe and happy. And over the last couple of years, Ren has begun trying to kind of pull away from Kath a little bit and, to, and she's trying to kind of develop her own persona on her own. And about two weeks before they leave for college, Ren tells Kath that she is going to live in a different residence hall on campus that they are not going to live together because she wants to try to figure out a little bit more about her identity separate from being Kath's twin. Kath is very introverted. She's very shy. She's very, um, she just is, is the introverted one. And she is happiest when um, reading books about Simon Snow, who is sort of like a, a nod to like a Harry Potter type book. And they grew up with these books and she reads the Simon Snow books. And now she writes um, very, very well plotted fan fiction. And on the internet, she's actually somebody. And, you know, she has many, many fans online on this fan fiction site. And so she's devastated by her sister's, what she feels as a desertion because Ren was always the, the, reason that she would she gained confidence from Ren's presence and and so anyway they, they go off to college and Ren is off meeting people going to parties having a really fantastic freshman experience that doesn't have a lot of space in it for Kath and she becomes a little um you know uh, her her just she kind of laughs at Kath for her continued writing of fan fiction and just kind of is distancing herself from all the nerdy things that they used to love to do together. And Kath is all on her own. She's trying to figure out an identity for herself. And along the way, she begins meeting people. She meets some classmates. She has, you know, this, this English teacher who's very hard on her um, when she's trying to write. She And she begins kind of through this building a circle of friends and building, you know, this whole identity for herself that really doesn't include Ren. Well, suddenly things at home start imploding. Their father isn't doing well. And then once that's sorted out, Kath, I mean, I'm sorry, Ren begins to not do well and um, begins facing, a, you know, some crisis type situations in her life. And all of a sudden, Kath realizes that through all of this, she is actually the strong one, the confident one. She is the one who is able to find an identity. And it was just a really great, you know, coming of age story. It was a story of a really beautiful, um, sl well, it's a young adult. So when I say slow burn romance, I really do mean slow burn romance. Um, <laughs> and it just was, a, you know, a really lovely story. I could really... Um, identify with Kath. I was a very um, introverted girl and I relied a lot on my sister's bubbly personality growing up um, for confidence. And when I moved across the country from her, I actually would, in situations where I felt uncomfortable and nervous, I would think, well, what would, what would Sarah do in the situation? And I would, I would adopt that sort of persona of Sarah. 
So this book really resonated with me and it made me cry a lot and it, it made me feel really good in my soul. And it's just a really great book about the bonds of, you know, being a twin and what that means. And um, it just was so well-written. So I highly recommend Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell to everyone. I need to try it again yeah. because I read it like shortly after it came out. I read part of it and I just was like, yeah, I don't know. Just, maybe just I wasn't give it, in the right mood for yeah, it. Yeah, and just give it a little more time because the beginning, you know, is sort of like your basic young adult. Like, oh, yeah, she's sad. Her, her sister's abandoning her. She's going off to college on her own. And then you just, just really, the character development and all the things um, that the sisters kind of go through together and separately just makes it a really great story. I will put it back on my list. Well, that is all um, that we have for tonight. Thank you to Stacy and Sarah for joining me and talking about fantastic sister books. As always, thanks goes out to Christine for her fantastic editing. And of course, <laughs> thanks to all of you who have joined us for the Book Bistro journey. We appreciate you all so, so much. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review just to let us know what you think of the Book Bistro podcast, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or on any other platform you use to access the show. Not only does it give us feedback, but it helps other book lovers find their way to the show, which is a fantastic thing. I will be back next Tuesday morning with more new release information, and some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.